Corinthians chapter 15. We're, we're, we're ministering on the end of days countdown. That just sounded like a good way to put it. End of days countdown. Y'all, we're closer today than we were yesterday. Why, why are we teaching this? We need to know. You need to know the purpose. It's not for knowledge because there's lots of good books out there. I, I guess there's some sorry ones, but there's a lot of good books. And you can just read, read, read. But what we want to do is we, we want to come. We want to say things that we hear that tell us that there's an end or there's, a, there's an ending. There's a victory at the end of our life. That we're not just pilgrims that are pulling the plow. That there's a victory at the end of this, no matter which way it goes. We said, and that's what we're going to talk about, is that there's nothing you can do about the tribulation, which makes this teaching a little moot. It's like, why teach about it? Because there's nothing you and I can do about any of it. Is that right? If there's a rapture, if there's no rapture, if it's pre-trib, post, whatever, whatever's out there, it doesn't change a thing what you and I believe. So quit resisting. Quit throwing up a fit. Quit, quit arguing and fussing with anybody. I know y'all don't, but we're talking online, of course. Hallelujah. It doesn't change anything. Get them born again. And then the, the problem's solved. The challenge is met. Get them born again, and then they're going whenever... It, the first trip up is. Amen. So we can't do anything about the tribulation except stop the traffic. Slow them down. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Isn't this amazing? This is in the Bible. Behold, I show you a mystery. I tell you, the Lord's got mysteries in the word. Mysteries. Behold, I show you a mystery. What is the mystery, Lord? We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. So that's the how and the when. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So there's where we get our bodies, isn't it? Our new bodies, we shall be changed. Well, we're not going to be changed in spirit. We're, we're heaven ready, aren't we? Amen. There's nothing has to change there. We're born again. Nothing has to be routed around. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So that's, that's at the rapture. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So death has got a, it, it's laughing at us, saying it can kill us. But we have the last laugh. We're going to raise, we're either never going to die, we're the exception generation, or the dead in Christ will be raised. So, 
what's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump? Well, we're going to immediately be, from what the word says, in the first resurrection of the saints. We're going to the, we're, excuse me, we're in the first resurrection of the saints, the rapture, we're going to the, to the uh, Bama seat. We're going to the judgment seat of Christ. And that's a glorious time. We saw, we watched a movie last night and it showed an admirable, an admiral from World War II. Uh, well, no, it was, it was Admiral McRaven. And he had a stack of stuff on his chest right here about medals and honors and what do you call those, ribbons? Yeah, he was stacked up. Well, that's how it's going to be for you. We're not keeping count, but he is. And I tell you, he takes good count. It's better than you think because we tend to take off for bad things. We, used, we tend to say, I did a good thing, but I also did a bad thing. Therefore, my good thing is marked out. But that's not how it is. Everything stands on its own. The bad thing or the thing that you just had with the wrong motive, a selfish motive, it just fades away. It's not held against us. It just fades away. Are y'all here? It just fades away. It just, it's not like, well, bring him up and 30 lashes for this and 20 lashes for that. It's not there. It's the judgment seat of Christ. It's the reward seat. And so we're there for the rewards. We may have thought that we got one by by doing something with the wrong motive. And it, but it, nobody could tell it was a wrong motive. It, they thought we were wonderful. But I guess the Lord knew. And so that thing just whooshes. It's wood, hay, and stubble. It just whooshes. It just blows up. But then there's gold and silver and precious jewels. And that's what you'll have. If you got a late start, like Joe Morse's daddy, got born again on his deathbed, didn't have anything to show. And, you know, that's why Joe says, Daddy, it's hard to think of, but Daddy's up there in the Speedo. His, his, his heavenly clothing didn't, didn't, didn't get him covered. Yay. It's worth it. People are nonchalant about the rewards. It's like, wow, whatever, just so long as I made it. Right there is a statement of misunderstanding. It's not just that we made it. The, the, the word says in John chapter 14 that the Lord said, I built you a mansion so that where I am, there you may be also. He wants to be with us. He wants all the people going through the tribulation. He wants them to make it. He's not punishing them. We're just, a, we're just a decision away from being just like them and being with them. If you hadn't got born again, if you hadn't said yes, even though you may have drug it out for a long time, and, but finally you said, yes, Lord Jesus, I make you my Lord. There's going to be people that did make him Lord, that just fell for the religious mantra. Just ask him into your heart and sign this card. Did we have your address right? We're going to while we're baptized this evening at 6 o'clock. Can you be here? Bring a towel. 
I remember the drill exactly. It was so mechanical. Nobody sat down and said, you know what just happened to you, young man? Nobody sat down with me. They just put me in the cattle chute, and we just sh shuffled along. And then it was over, and it was like, well, it was like a series on TV, Bonanza, or, or you just, the next week they did it again. They got people born again, put them in the gate, and shuffled them through, and, and uh, it, I never learned anything. Well, I'm not, it's not up to them, it's up to me. But it would have been easier if they'd taken more responsibility. Uh, we, we have this scripture here, but we need more than scripture. We don't need more than scripture, but we would like to have more than scripture that tells us about this because there's scripture in the Gospels that seem to point to the rapture being different than this. When in fact, it's not about the rapture, it's about the second coming. There is no rapture in the Gospels. So, but the cool thing about the Lord is that all the prophecies that he had about the Lord Jesus, he put them in the Old Testament. The Jews can look in their own word right now and they can find Jesus and get born again. They don't even have to have the New Testament and listen to that. They can find Jesus in their own word. So... The Lord, as he did, you remember when they would win a battle, they would uh, either dig a well or they would put up a big pound of uh, uh, rocks and build an, a monument. And, and they'd say, Daddy, why did we do that? And, and Daddy would tell his son, well, we beat the Azurites here, the Perezurites or the Hittites, and we need to mark it because if we don't, we will forget. And the Lord didn't have anybody born again back then, so he had to impart into them a marker of some kind. And one way he did that was with all the feasts. I've never been a real feast person. I, a lot of people that are Jewish-oriented and Messianic and all that, they really get into the feasts. My thinking on that, and I, it doesn't matter, and I'm not against them, but my thinking is, is why are we celebrating the shadow and the type when we've got the real? He's here. He's here. We don't have to celebrate about he's coming. He's coming. He's here. But anyway, he put these markers up and now we can go back and look at these feasts and we can see what they mean. We can interpret them on this side. But they had no Holy Spirit inside. So they had to they had to do these feasts over and over and remind them of God's faithfulness. So uh, they established feasts. They established jubilees. You know, every seven years you had a, a, a jubilee where you'd lay your land out for a year. And then your land would do as well in six years or better than it would have if you hadn't laid your land out. It would rest. It would tithe. It would Sabbath. It would, it would rest and then it would bring forth more. The real reason for that back then was is that if you set it aside and trusted God for no provision for a whole year, then you had to lean on him. So it made it lordship. You could beat somebody into it and saying you can't plant this this plot this year. But if someone just said, well, I'm, I'm going to do what the word says, then it became lordship and they would prosper. America's even established holidays along this line. Uh, we, we have Thanksgiving. 
where we, not so much now maybe, but where we stopped and said, let's give thanks to God. We celebrate Christmas. Christmas is a federal holiday. It's not just a Christian thing. It's a federal holiday. Uh, then we have Resurrection Day, uh, Easter, whatever, uh, which is not, it's, it's, uh, it's not on a Monday or something, but it's so holy to us because of what it is. And then they threw all these others in there. I think they got a little crazy with Indigenous People Day and, and all that. But that's not, we, we've tried to, to, to follow them. So the, cal the, the calendar of feasts, they were in order every year and they fulfilled them every year. These people took off work from, for a lot of things, as you find out. There was a party going on all the time. There was a lot of feasts. And Jesus fulfilled every feast. So that's what we're going to look at just for a minute tonight, talking about the rapture. So let's start about the Passover. What was the Passover? What was that celebration for? Why, why did they have the feast of the Passover? Well, it was because they were delivered from Egypt. And the death angel... The destroyer passed over their homes if there was the blood of a lamb without spot or blemish over their doorpost and everybody inside was safe. And then the destroyer took out the firstborn of all the Egyptians and all that. So Jesus was our Passover lamb and he fulfilled that feast. Then you have the feast of the unleavened bread. There's lots of controversy, not a lot, but there's some controversy should... Should we take unleavened bread? Should we take leavened bread when we take communion? I, it doesn't matter not one bit. Because there's nothing in the bread anyway. You can't go in the store and get the, can I have the communion bread? We need, we need a resurrection this Sunday. So you just, uh, we're not going to split hairs and we're not going to get legalistic about it. Why? You don't even have to have juice. You don't even have to have grape juice. You, don't even have, you sure don't have to have wine. Get you some tomato juice or some lemon juice or get you a, just anything will work because your faith is what's going to transform the elements as you take them into what you need. Jesus is my healer and my salvation. But we try to keep it straight because it's easier for people not to have to get around that. But some churches, I'm telling you, some churches, they won't let a non-church member take communion with them. But communion is a Christian. What do you call them? Sacrament. It's a sacrament. So it's not what do you go. You can only do it if you're a member of this church because somebody from this church is handing out the elements. Oh, my. We, we, we do exalt ourselves in that situation. OK, so the unleavened bread was when they would they'd stop their lives because they had no sense of being free or pure or clean. So they would stop their lives and they would say, well, here's the week of unliving bread and we're all going to go around the house and, and gather up all the crumbs of bread and, and the leaven that's in the bread and we're going to uh, uh, put away the unclean. It was a time where they were conscious of sin and being unclean. And uh, the unleavened bread from what I read, and that's all I have is what I read, is that when they came out of Egypt being delivered, they didn't have time in their gathering up and leaving to wait for the bread to rise. So they 
had unleavened bread, and that became the staple of it. Uh, but Jesus became our unleavened bread. He was laden with sin, which was the leaven. He was buried, then he was resurrected unto new life. And so he became our consummation of the unleavened bread. Then comes the first fruits. These are not real important. I'm just going over just to, just to put it in there so that we can get to the feast that matters for rapture, which is the feast of trumpets. But the first fruits was actually kind of what the pagans did where they celebrated their first harvest. They were expecting more harvest, but when they got the first harvest in, they would celebrate first fruits. Uh, my little brother, he's a farmer. And one year, uh, him and his wife had the first bale of cotton in Gaines County. And then a few years before that, my dad had the first bale. So you went out there and you, you, you picked, you picked cotton in the green cotton, but you got enough to, you got just enough, 450 pounds or something, and took it to the gin and you were the first one. Well, they celebrated the first fruits and they gave him a big plaque and thousands of dollars. Well, back then they, they celebrated the first fruit and uh, it was the, it was the resurrection. Jesus was resurrected unto new life. He was the first fruits among us being the latter harvest. We're the first, he's the firstborn among many brethren. And so uh, uh, Jesus was buried on unleavened bread and resurrected on first fruits. So there's just three days between them. Then there's Pentecost. What does Pentecost mean? What does Penta mean? Y'all know. Okay, nobody's got a holler. It means 50. And the, the Feast of Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And it was 50 days after Resurrection Day. Jesus had told them, to go to the upper room and tarry there and wait for me. He told 500 people. He appeared to 500 people and said, go and tarry. 120 showed up, about one-fourth. Same as the measure of the good ground. Only one ground out of four was good. That's kind of the measure of everything in the kingdom is one out of four. It's a lot of things. You think, well, we got all these people here. Isn't this a great day? The other, the other day I was, I was, who were we with, Lynn? And said, uh, somebody came in and said, this is the greatest church. I, I can't wait to get back. And we all rolled our eyes and said, uh, We'll never see him again. And sure enough, we never did. Uh, I had somebody that came into my church in Seminole and said, you are better than John Osteen. I'm going to move my family here. We have found the Messiah. We have found the one. And uh, we never saw them again. So we have a big laugh about that. But uh, uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out 50 days after the resurrection. So then now we get to trumpets. That's Rosh Hashanah. It means, uh, Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. It's a real important day. It's, uh, it's when they prepare for his coming. And it's, it's called trumpets. And it's likely, highly likely, 
Joe Morris in his book says, it, it's going to happen on trumpets. Now, I have caught him in a conversation where he said, well, you know, it, it, it could slide over to this or that. I don't remember what he said, but he's, he's all about uh, trumpets, and so are we, because there's a lot of other things. This last year, it fell on uh, September uh, 15th, and it's sundown on Friday till sundown on Sunday. So that's Rosh Hashanah. But the interesting things about it is, uh, let's see, I don't remember if it follows. I guess it's followed by the seven days of awe, A-W-E, and, um, which is where there's a festival or a, a gathering where everybody's very thankful to God. You understand, the Lord set these festivals up so they would, these feasts, so they, they would stop what they were doing and do something for remembrance. They would do it every year and they would do it for remembrance because how many of y'all know in America, we're 250 years old, 55, something like that. And we have already in 250 years lost a lot of our foundation in a very young nation. Well, Israel was around a long time and God had to keep them uh, going. And so he had, and he, had to get, he had to keep it going so he could bring the Messiah in. And then it endured after that. But uh, uh, Matthew 25, 13 says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Do y'all ever have anybody tell you that? Quote that verse? Yes. I'll read it again. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I've heard my kinfolks just, they, like Lynn says, they only know two verses. My, my kinfolks know three. This is the third one. You know, you know, we none of us know the day or the hour when he cometh. Uh, but the Feast of Trumpets is on the first day of the seventh moon after the new year. The first day on the seventh month, after their seventh month, after the new year. Well, it's based on a new moon. And the new moons are fickle. And from what I read, sometimes it was cloudy. I don't imagine very cloudy in Israel, but it was cloudy. But even then, you didn't know exactly, back then especially, when the new moon would come, if it would come, uh, it, it, was set, it was set on the 29th or the 30th day. It was going to come one of the two, but you never knew which one. So they would say it would, it would come 29 and a half days after the last new moon. But they didn't know for sure because the cycle of the moon, the lunar calendar. So it would fall on the 29th or the 30th. So nobody knew the day. They'd have to go out and look. And from what I read, I read a lot of Jewish things of how they do it now. They, they send somebody out that's important with two helpers and they look at the moon and say, is that a new moon or is that, is that a, the last of the old moon or is it what is that? And they would determine and they would send the word out and say, the new moon has come. It's, it's, uh, it's time for the feast. 
So nobody knew the day or the hour because it was 29 and a half and you couldn't tell for sure in advance, at least back then. But you can now. We know. It didn't come on September. He didn't come in September on trumpets. But there's another feast of trumpets coming up. I don't know exactly when, but it'll probably be in September, depending on the new moon. Y'all here? I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with this. So let's put it in motion because the only reason we're studying this is just so that you will be able to explain to somebody that is keyed in on whether they're going to uh, uh, get born again or follow Jesus or whatever based on some understanding of this end times because they, they tend to want to blow it off and just say, well, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know anything about when he's coming back or if he's coming back. So we need to have a confidence. It doesn't matter to us, but there's a lot of stuff that we do that doesn't matter to us that we do for other people. A lot. We do it for our witness. We do it for our testimony. We do it so that they will know that we're straight as a string. And, and uh, so the rapture itself is just going to come to the world as a thief in the night. But we'll know exactly to the day or the, the next day. We'll know when it's here. Can you feel that we're in a season? Maybe it's just because we're all talking about it. And Joe's got his new book out and maybe we're just reading it. But it just seems like there's a hustle, which is what Joe talks about, of getting up and getting on to with what we always knew we should get up and get on. But we were distracted or busy or thought this isn't going to come for a while. But the Ezekiel 38 war, which is imminently after the rapture, is forming up the components for that. And it makes you think, it makes you think. It could, it could happen now in a time that in past years you go, they're not there. The components, the elements are not there, but they're there now. Doesn't mean they're going to align. Doesn't mean they're not going to cool off and we're going to have three more years of, of uh, waiting. But all the better. We got work to do. We got stuff to do. So since the rapture is signless, but the second coming is just full of signs. There's more about the second coming than there was about the first coming. So what do you do? Well, you find out what's going to come, what's happening for the second coming, and you backtrack seven years. The rapture and the tribulation are seven years in front of the second coming. We're going to be in heaven for seven years, seven earth years. So... You just find out what's going to happen seven years from now, how it's lining up, and you can backtrack and say, that's how we know the time that it is. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1. You're right there. Still talking about the rapture tonight. It's so exciting that we may be the exception generation. 
we're, we're going to have to miss it a bunch. Because I'm going to live a long time. I am. I'm going to. I have some people I want to bother for a long time. <laughs> and so I, I'm staying. Are you staying, Lynn? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you ain't nothing. I, I got, I got some real, real. Yeah. Verse 8 of chapter 1 of Acts. But ye shall receive the power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, this is Acts. Remember, the we're out of the Gospels. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. He was raptured. He departed. And a cloud received him out of their sight. You know, like golly, what, what was that? And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up to you from you unto heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So there we have it. He's prophesied to come back just like he left. He went up, he zipped up, and he'll zip down. And when he zips down, he's not going to touch the earth. He's going to come in the sky. And we, the, the dead in Christ are going to rise first and they're going to come out of their graves. Then we, we who remain, it's an atomic second, a blink is a tenth of a second. It's an atomic second. So it's not like you're going to visit with your kinfolks as you go up. So glad you made it, uh, Harry. I, I, I had no idea that you were on that side. Where's your brother? Uh, he's not here. Well, he went to church all the time. Uh, he's not here. So there might be some of that, but there won't be. It'll be so fast. And then we'll be in heaven. We'll go immediately to the, the uh, Bama seat, the reward seat of Christ. And then from there, I understand, this doesn't matter, but I, what I understand, nobody knows for sure, but right after we're cleaned up and got all our stuff burned up and all our jewels and gold and silver is all shiny and everything, then it, Revelation 19 talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so we're going to party hardy. You know, if the Lord, if the Lord is going to throw a party, it, it ought to be one for the for the ages. <laughs> no, I've been to some like that that were better than that. No, the, the Lord puts on a party. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a private ceremony uh, where we are joined to him as the, as the head of the body, as the, as the groom and the bride. And then after the marriage supper, then in seven years, then there will be a public proclamation of the marriage, of the wedding, of the union, in the second coming, we'll all come back publicly. We'll all come back. That'll be privately behind heaven's door. All of it's vague. If anybody gets up here and says they know exactly how it's going to happen, they've also got a uh, Jesus came through the, the door and told them about it because nobody knows exactly. But that's pretty close. I want to just tie off just a few things about the pre, mid, and post-rapture because people think 
or have said, and, and they use a basis that says, we need to go through the tribulation to get sanctified, to get cleaned up. But I want to remind you one thing that's wrong with that is that we're not the same as people. We're born again. We're a peculiar people, but we're not those people. And we're already born again. We don't need to be cleaned up. We've, we've been... We've been burned out. The dross of sin has been burned out and dominated by the blood of Jesus. And we don't need to go through any purification in order for us to yield and say calf rope and say, Lord, I'll receive you. We've already done that. We're already, we have, who have never seen him have believed him and received him. That's what he told Thomas. He said, well, good boy. You saw, you, you felt, you, you got all that, good boy. But blessed are those that have never seen, and we've never seen him, and yet we believe. We're not going through the tribulation. We're not going through anything. And the scripture, uh, let's see if I've got that, uh, uh, is in First uh, Thessalonians 5. We'll just turn there. We've got just a minute. I was just woofing about getting out early, y'all. <laughs> I did have a pastor when I was growing up, a Baptist pastor, when they would chide him and start clocking him from his 22 minutes that they gave him for a sermon. He always said, sermonettes make Christianettes. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. Let's say that first person. God has not appointed me to wrath. Now that's just the truth. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we live or die, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort, comfort one another together, your, yourselves together and edify one another even as we also do. So we have Noah as a Old Testament proof that the righteous are not purified by the wrath of God. If you're not born again, you're like a child. You're not developed. You can't obey. You're a little rebel. That's why we, well... People are alive unto God. Children are alive unto God until the age of accountability because they're little rebels. They, you, just, you just try to work with one, and, and, and that's the way people that are not born again. That's the way the old whole New Testament was. They weren't born again, so he, he couldn't deal with them. He was like herding cats. Oh, my word. And so the Lord had all sorts of things that he did in the Old Testament which today people that are not saved point to the Old Testament and say, well, this is your God. He kills, he murders, he brings floods and all that. But they don't have a context for it. But Noah was a righteous man. And God said in Genesis 7-1, come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So the Lord preserved Noah because he was righteous. So the truth is, even though we all go back to Adam and Eve, we actually all go back to Noah. 
Then there's Lot. Lot's an Old Testament character. He was the nephew of Abraham. And he was a little horse's tail sometimes. And uh, he, he, when, at, when Abraham said, well, you can have this side or that side, you choose. The Bible says Lot looked at the good land down in the plain of, of uh, Sodom and said, I'll take the best stuff. And he did. But even in that, when they were coming out, God was about to destroy and judge Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says the angel says, haste thee, Lot, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou come, become thither, thither. I hope he became thither and escaped. <laughs> so the same thing, Lot was righteous. The, the word says in that same passage that Sodom vexed the righteous soul of Lot, if you'll remember that. And so Lot was spared, him and his family. His wife looked back longingly. She desired, she wanted, she didn't want to leave. She was like a Christian that doesn't, that her husband gets born again or something, but doesn't, doesn't want to embrace that. Or just anybody that says, I don't, I don't want to give it up. I want to, uh, yeah, yeah, I want to live like me wants to live until the last minute. And then I want to get my life right with God. Oh my, that sure is playing with a lot of hell, isn't it? Turn, you're right there in Thessalonians. Turn to 2 Thessalonians 2. And let's look in verse uh, 1. We're almost through. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of the Lord is at hand. What's that about? Well, he wrote this letter to Thessalonica because they all thought the Lord had already come. Because he did, after all, say, behold, I come quickly. He said, let, uh, let's see where I am. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not ex come, except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Well, I looked that up about the, the falling away. The word is apostia, apost, you know what I'm trying to say, apostasia, something like that. But it's not the same word that's used. The same word here is the same word that's used about the translation or the rapture of Enoch. And it's the word there is the catching away. So it says that day shall not come except there be a catching away. The rapture. The rapture and that man of sin, the Antichrist, be revealed, the son of perdition. So here's the key. Uh, if if there's going to be a falling away for the Antichrist to be revealed, don't you all think the dark ages would have been a good time? It was plenty of dark back then. It was way dark. And uh, if 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 there if the Lord said, I'm looking for a dark time, a time of falling away and I'm going to bring that let the Antichrist come in. He'd already been here and set up shop and, and moved on. So the truth is, and we don't know it. And I, I told you all the other day, the reason the Holocaust is on the church is because we have all the authority of the kingdom of God vested in us. It was not on Germany. It was not on America. It was not on government. It was on the church. 
and we could have stopped it. But nobody knew they had authority. And that is still plaguing America and the world today. Uh, so it's not that we are so powerful. The Lord believes his word. Amazing. He just he believes that if we what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. He starts putting it together. He starts pulling that stuff together. What things soever you desire, he starts pulling it together. And until we say, I didn't mean that, that I was just woofing or go back and say, I, I'm sick or I'm poor or I'm broke and negate that and go the other way. It's coming to you. It's coming to you. So the Lord thinks we have great authority in the earth. Speak to the mountain, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in seed, does not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He, he thinks the greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. So the Antichrist cannot even be named. We are so powerful, and, and that's with a church that's kind of carnal. Would y'all say the American church, at least, is kind of carnal? Maybe you'd say they're way carnal. Uh, but it doesn't matter. There's us. We're not the only ones by any means, but at least there is us. We can say if there's nobody else, there's us. And we're so powerful with that name that we're not flooded in. We're not overwhelmed by greater numbers of unbelievers. They can't overwhelm us. The light always banishes the darkness. The darkness, no matter how pervasive and how dark it is, cannot overwhelm the light. And we are the light. We are the light of the world. And so the, the Antichrist can't even be named. It's not even like, well, at least he got his name out there and he's ready for us to be gone. He, he can't even exercise enough dominion and authority and power to get his name out there. But the moment we're gone, a great vacuum will exist and he will fill it. And, it, and there'll be all prosperity. People will doubt the, the uh, tribulation because for three and a half years, it's going to be roses and everybody's going to be saying we don't need God. But then the Antichrist will be will be incarnated by the devil, by Lucifer himself. Just as Jesus was incarnate by Holy Spirit, the devil will bring the Antichrist into an incarnate realm and he will be possessed, totally possessed of the devil. And he will rule and reign for three and a half years. And many, 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 many people will be martyred. They will be martyred. And that's where the mark of the beast, that's where all that start stuff comes in where you can't buy or sell. It's not us. That's, that's never going to happen to you. There, there may be vestiges of it where they say, would you like to try our new handy dandy thing? If you'll take this tattoo or if you'll take this whatever. And they're going to try it out they're, they're, It's all in the planning stages, but that's not us. We don't fear the devil. We don't fear the Antichrist. We don't feel the fear, the tribulation at all. None. We're good. Amen. Um, let me read verse seven and eight in that same verse. We're in we're in chapter two. Let me read verse seven and eight. 
Uh, it says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Nanani nu nu. The New Living says, listen to this. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. First uh, John talks about the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist being in the earth back then. So he's not, it's not new. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed but the Lord Jesus will kill him. I like this. You never think about the Lord Jesus killing anything. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Y'all, this good news. I mean, we got, we got it coming and then we got it going. We got it left and then we got it right up and down. We've got it in every direction. There is no downside to being born again. And if you know who you are in this age and you're not afraid of what might be coming, you'll live a victorious, dominating life. Everything's on the table and there's a harvest to be swept in before he comes. That's why James says that's why he's waiting. We'll we'll go. But just James five says. Now go to, now to go, ye rich men, weep and howl, for your miseries shall come upon you. Uh, uh, where is that? The Lord of the harvest. Well, I thought it was in chapter five. Maybe it's in. James talks about the husbandman is waiting for the harvest. Y'all will find it. Uh, the husband is waiting for the precious harvest of the former and the latter rain. And so that's the Lord's on hold. He wants us that where he is, we will be there with him. But he wants the whole family. And aren't you glad that your kinfolks that aren't ready? There's time for them. There's time for you to, to sweep them in. There's time for you to say, I would lay down my life for you. I would get in front of the truck. I would. I would take the bullet or whatever we would say that was. Well, we also have to translate to say, even if you're mad as thunder at me, I'm going to ask you about your salvation experience and we're going to back it up to the word of God and see if you're born again. Well, they'll, they'll go, they'll lose their mind. Well, if, if you took a bullet for them, you wouldn't even be there to see them lose their mind. So we need to lose our, let them lose their mind. And it might not be as bad as we imagined. Right. It might be there's a lot of uh, bluster. Their tough guy thing is actually wanting someone to confront them. And they just don't know how to save face and just cry like a baby and say, I need God. They just don't know how. They just don't. We're used to church. We're used to being with family. And, and Christians, but they don't. They're, they're in the rough and tumble of the world. And we need to just go in there and say, John, we got to talk. Here's what the word says. 
And I want to know what your experience is concerning this. Have you lined your life up to this? Are you born again? Because if you're not born again, you're absolutely not going to get a half measure of heaven or a quarter measure. You're going straight to hell as the most vile, sociopathic murderer, serial killer that's ever lived. You'll be right there and be justified. I mean, I don't I wouldn't tell you how to do it, but but you could go there and just say, we got to talk. I will love you and I don't want you to be deceived just because you think it's this way or that. We have an appointment with the reward seat of Christ. Our works are honest. Those that that bridge of metals that was on Admiral McRaven. I mean, they were wow. They were just everywhere. He'd, he'd done it. He was a SEAL team and then had been a, an admiral. Uh, we kind of have even here at River Church, there's a giddiness, a wedding, a wedding is coming giddiness that says, ah, we're in countdown, 19 days till we get married, honeypot. You love me, don't you? If we're sad at all, it's because there's so much undone. But I want to remind you, we have a millennial reign. And we're coming back to do it all. There will be nothing left undone. There'll be some folks not here, but there'll be some folks that are. And we're going to be in control and we're going to rule and reign here and we're going to get our stuff done. So things that you've got that you go, well, there's no need in launching that because, you know, Jesus is coming back and this is a three year plan. I'd get it ready and come back to it. Amen. 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 Amen.